Well, if you're new here, my name is Fred uh, Baker. I'm the lead pastor here, and I've got a little confession for you. Um, It is, I am a Facebook junkie. All right, and here's what that means. I have no control over myself when I'm on Facebook, right? I will get on Facebook to wish you a happy birthday, right? Because it tells me every day whose birthday is today. 30 minutes later, I still haven't wished you a happy birthday, but... The guy who I haven't talked to in 30 years because we went to high school together, he has a new puppy, and I've liked that picture, right? It's it's this total time, like, black hole for me. But there is something about Facebook, um, because it does have many great qualities, but there's something in particular that drives me crazy, and it's when people post the picture or post whatever it is, and, and, and it says something along the lines of, of share and reply to this photo, hug, comment, whatever. If you don't, like you'll have bad luck for 10 days. If you don't, you're a coward. If you don't, you're, 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 you're embarrassed of your face. Like those, every single time, I will skip over. Now, and I say that my mom loves those because she posts them all the time. And like even when my own mother says, if you love me, you will click like and share because that's a hug to me. I skip right over it, (laughs) right? Because they drive me crazy. But there was one that my uncle did. And I almost liked and shared it because I thought it was so ridiculous. And it was this. Hopefully you can see it because of the glare. It says, I bet you won't share this because you're too embarrassed to have Jesus on your wall. Here's the deal. Here's why this is so ridiculous. We, we don't have a picture of Jesus, right? And if we did, he would have darker hair most likely and more olive skin. That's one reason. Two, this isn't even somebody trying to be Jesus. This is Ewan McGregor who in the first service I said never played Jesus. Actually, I found out he did in an indie movie he did. But this isn't him that way. This is him as Obi-Wan Kenobi from Star Wars. That's his Obi-Wan costume. He's not Jesus. He's a Jedi in a brown cloak. Right now, you may be asking yourself, what in the world does this have to do with Hebrews? That's a great question. And believe it or not, it does, right? Because as we go through Hebrews, um, what we're going to see uh, over and over again is one particular theme emerge. There, there, there are th- other themes in Hebrews, but I think this is the one that we're going to link on to as we go through the book of Hebrews. And it's, and it's this. It's that Jesus is greater than, which is why this symbol is up here. Jesus is greater than. That symbol, to take you back to elementary school, that's why it's on a chalkboard up here for us, is the symbol for greater than. And if you remember when you're in elementary school, uh, well, I mean, I had a hard time understanding the whole greater than, less than symbol, because I kept thinking it was pointing to the thing that was greater than, right? But the greater than part is the part that's on the big side. If you're on the big side, it's greater than, and it points to the thing that's lesser than. And what we're going to see over and over again is that Jesus is greater than. He's greater than our ups or downs. He's greater than all of our failures, all of our doubts. He's greater than, than, than all of our successes. He's greater than all of our fears. And so what does this Obi-Wan Kenobi picture have to do with that? Well, what we're going to see as we go through the book of Hebrews, and one of the questions that I'm going to continue to, to kind of come back to is who or what is greater than Jesus in your life? 
Because in our hearts and in our souls, we all have these things that are imitation Jesuses. They're, they're fake Jesuses. And they're things which seem really good in our lives, but they're really just a Jedi in a brown cloak, right? Things like control and tradition and comfort and good works and our stuff, the material stuff that we possess, perfectionism, striving, power. All of these things seem good in the moment. But compared to Jesus, they're just a Jedi in a brown cloak. They don't even come close. And as we work our way through Hebrews, what we're going to see time and time again is that Jesus is greater than. Everything else is just a Jedi in a brown cloak. Well, as we dive into the first three verses today, we're going to be in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. If you have a Bible, uh, you can grab that Bible. Um, um, it's on page 842, the Bible in front of you. If you don't have a Bible, um, you don't want to use that one, you can even download the Bible app, and we're under events, and then click on Fellowship Asheville, and it has all the announcements from today, has the scripture today, and a place where you can take notes, and we'd love for you to do that. Well, let's dive in. Verse, verse 1, chapter 1. That's how this starts. It says, long ago, kind of a Star Wars type beginning, notice. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Now, what the author of this letter has done is he's just summed up an entire section of the Old Testament, if not the entire Old Testament altogether in one little verse by saying long ago in prophets. Now, see, what makes this book unique from other books is that if you look at the other books of the New Testament, a lot of them are letters. So they're from somebody to somebody or to a group of people or to a church. And so they start off with greetings and salutations and Lord bless you. And they end with grace and peace to you. They, they, they have an introduction and they have a, a body of the letter and then they have a conclusion. The book of Hebrews is different, right? He just jumped right in and said long ago. A lot of people believe, and this, is, this is, is the position that I'm taking too, that this isn't a letter that was passed around to a group of people, to a group of Hebrews, to talk to them about Jesus, that this was actually a sermon that a preacher preached to a congregation of people, to a congregation of Hebrews, to show them how much Jesus is greater. And so you'll hear me, instead of referring to the author, sometimes you'll hear me referring to the preacher who said this. And, and because this is a sermon, we can, we can kind of take it in a different context than we do a letter because this was somebody transcribing what this preacher said. And so this sermon is to this group of Hebrews to tell them about Jesus. And like any good sermon, what this speaker does, what this preacher does, is he wants to draw in the congregation, which is why he summarized the entire Old Testament into one sentence. Now keep in mind, if you're a Hebrew sitting out in the audience, you don't have an Old Testament. You have a testament because the New Testament hasn't come along yet. There have been letters passed around that are considered authoritative from God, but they haven't been put together in the New Testament yet. And so, so when you hear him summarize what we call the Old Testament, what he's just done is he summarized your entire Bible in one sentence. And so the thought that you have if you're sitting in this congregation is, well, where's he going next? Probably like what you had when I put the picture of Obi-Wan Jesus up there. You thought, where's, where's he going next? That's what he wanted his audience to do. That's what this preacher wanted his audience to do, is to wonder where he's going with this. And look at where he goes. He says, long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse two, but in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. 
See, long ago he used prophets, and, and what prophets were, prophets were people who would, who, would, who would speak to the nation of Israel, and they would say things like, thus says the Lord, and so God would speak to them, and they would speak to people, and God would give them this great authority to speak, and so sometimes they would speak, and it'd be words of encouragement, like you're, you're walking in faith, good job, keep going, and sometimes it would be words of conviction, Stop doing what you're doing and start walking in faith. That's what God is saying to you right now. That's the stuff they would say. And those were prophets. And what this guy is saying is that now, instead of speaking through those humans to speak to us, now he's speaking through his son. And so this is the first of these greater thans that we're gonna see in this series, and it's this, that Jesus is greater than spiritual people. And the reason I use spiritual people is because we don't really have prophets like they did back in the Old Testament. But a prophet was the most spiritual type person that the nation of Israel had. I mean, granted, if they stand up and say, thus says the Lord, that's a pretty spiritual position, isn't it? And so Jesus is greater than these prophets. He's greater than, than the most spiritual of people. Now, here's what's interesting about this math symbol greater than. It's a way to show that something is greater than something else. And math, uh, precision, is important. But there are some times where math doesn't get all the information it needs. And so there's, there's some things that we just can't know, and there's some things that we can know. And that's what this greater than symbol captures. It captures there's a lot that we don't know about our relationship with God, right? There's a lot of questions that we can, that we still have, but we can know that Jesus is greater than all of those things. Jesus, this preacher is saying, is always greater than the prophets. And the preacher is saying, you don't need someone telling you this is what God says because God himself is speaking by his son. Now, what I love about the image that, that Carol landed on for this is that circle, okay, what that circle reminds me of, and it gives me, gives me like hives sometimes, is those standardized tests that you had to take where you had to, you know, you had to, like, it's just a list of numbers with circles, and so you had to put the greater than, less than symbol. What I love about this circle up here is because what we're gonna see is we always have this opportunity, this choice, to, to allow Jesus to be greater than these things or allow these things to be greater than Jesus. And what we're gonna see as this unfolds, and that's one of the questions I'm gonna ask, is what does it look like when spiritual people are greater than Jesus? Because you see, if you were in this audience listening, right now you would be wondering that. Because these prophets, they were kind of like Jedis of the Old Testament. Like they were awesome. You had Elijah and Elisha. Elijah was used by God to call fire down from heaven just to prove how powerful the God of Israel is. He built this altar and poured water on this altar just to give God an opportunity to show off and then God used him to, to bring fire down from heaven and this altar exploded into flames. Elisha, which was Elijah's mentor, so it's totally Obi-Wan and Anakin. But his mentor, Elisha, God used him to raise a kid from the dead. Like that's powerful, Isaiah, who was another prophet, Isaiah, God used him to speak to kings and princes and to tell them what God was gonna do. Isaiah, God used to see the future and he would declare this is gonna be victory and this is gonna be defeat. And so if you're a Hebrew listening to this, the most spiritual people you know are these prophets and they are awesome. And yet this preacher is saying Jesus is greater than. Compared to Jesus, 
all these prophets are just Jedis in a brown cloak. And to prove his case, he's going to do something that the Hebrew mind would, would understand, honestly, more than we do. Because what he's going to do next is he's going to prove in seven, seven different ways how Jesus is greater than the prophets. Now, if you were a Hebrew sitting there, that number seven has some significance to you. Anything that's done uh, seven times means that it's complete, that it's perfect. You know, it harkens back to Genesis 1, that creation was in seven days, six days of, of work and one day of rest, and it's seven days, it's complete and it's done. And so in the Hebrew mind, if something, you can prove something seven different ways, that is the mic drop, right? In our mind, our mind, we're sufficient with three. Like I gave you three prophets just to show you how awesome prophets were. And none of you said, Fred, four more, please. Like, that's good. The Hebrew mind, seven is important. So he's going to do it seven different ways. He's going to show how Jesus is greater than. And so the first one, it says, whom he appointed heir of all things. Now, this, this word heir, it shows authority. It doesn't mean that, like when we hear the word heir, heir we think of, of when I die, my kids are going to get whatever money and property I have. They're my heir. In this sense, it's about authority, that God has given Jesus all authority in heaven and earth. That's why before he ascended into heaven, part of the Great Commission, he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And so it's this picture of authority that Jesus doesn't, uh, the prophets don't have that same authority, right? They could only do what God asked them to do, nothing more, nothing less. Elijah, when he called the fire down on that altar, he didn't show up the following Wednesday and do it again. Because God only empowered him to do it once. He had the authority to do it once. Jesus has authority over all things in heaven and on earth. He's greater than the prophets because of that authority. He's greater than the most spiritual people. Look at number two. So number one, I pointed him heir of all things. Number two, through whom he also created the world. So what this, this preacher is saying is that not only does he have authority, he is the creator. And that word for world isn't just earth. It means he's created time and space. He's created all these things. John, the, the, the opening verses in the book of John says, in the beginning was the word. And that Jesus was there creating with God because he is God. So without Jesus, there would be nothing. When spiritual people die, when prophets die, the world continues. But without Jesus, there would be nothing. The third one, so you have authority, you have creator. Look at, look at verse three. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God. Radiance means this, 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 it's, this uh, it's a word that means what comes out from a source of light. How many of you went and saw the complete solar eclipse somewhere? All right, a few of you did, good. Um, my house, we did not. Uh, my youngest son is autistic, and the whole eclipse thing really freaked him out. And, and I asked him, I said, what? I mean, there have been eclipses happening forever. Why, why does this freak you out? And he goes, the sun is going dark. I'm like, okay, yeah, when you put it that way, we'll just stay home. How about that? And so we did, we stayed home. But for those of you who saw the total eclipse, you saw this word radiance. Because what you see when you cover up the sun is you see the radiance of the sun. You get to see what happens when you cover up the sun. And so what this preacher is saying is that Jesus is the radiance of God. And that 
you, just like you have to cover up the sun to see the radiance of the sun, in the similar way, we can't see God, but we can see his radiance, and it's Jesus, because he's made of the same stuff. See, the prophets don't measure up to this. They're human, just like you and me. And see, in, in Jesus is the God that we can see, is what this preacher is saying. Then he takes it one step further, and the next one, so that's number four for those of you who are taking notes. One, two, three, four, yeah. Look at this. He's the exact imprint of his nature. This word exact imprint means stamp, and it's not like the stamp that you put on a letter and send somewhere. It's the stamp where you take and you dip it in ink, and then you put it on paper, and it's the same imprint. It's the same image. And so what this preacher is saying is not only is Jesus the God we can see, but when you see Jesus, you see God. And when you see what Jesus does, you see who God is. The more you know about Jesus, the more you know about God. When you see a spiritual person, when you see a prophet, you see a human. With all their frailties, all their imperfections. Because here's what's, here's what's great about that story with Elijah that, that honestly ministers to so many people. After God used him to bring fire down from heaven, and there were all these prophets of Baal. That was the God that he was showing how our God is greater than that God. After he did this, you know what he did? He ran and hid in a cave because he was depressed. You see, when you see a spiritual person, when you see a prophet, you see a human. But when you see Jesus, you see God. And you see that God is kind because Jesus was kind. You see that God is merciful because Jesus was merciful. You see that God is compassionate because Jesus was, was compassionate, especially to people that the religious leaders didn't think he should be compassionate to. He was, which shows that God is. He was servant-hearted that he cares for all kinds of people, not just the rich and the powerful. That he's truthful, that he would speak the truth that people needed to hear instead of the truth that they wanted to hear because God is truthful. The biggest quality you see about Jesus is that he's sacrificial, that he gave his life for you and me, that he died on the cross and rose from the dead so that we could have this good and right and personal relationship with the God who loves us and creates us and he, Jesus was sacrificial because God is sacrificial. Jesus did that so we could have this relationship because God wants to have this relationship with you. You see, when you see Jesus, you see God. Look at this next one. Um, <clears throat> next one in verse three. He's exact imprint of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. All right, so what this means is that universe, that space, time, earth, and skies, that he holds all that together. And it's not like the picture of Atlas you see where you see the strong man holding up the world because he's holding up the world by his hands. He's holding up the world by his strength. What does this say Jesus uses to hold all those things together? His word. His word. It's when Jesus was in the boat with the disciples and the storm was raging and Jesus was sound asleep and the, and the disciples were scared to death because they thought this boat was gonna tip over, their lives were gonna be over and they finally called out to Jesus and he woke up. Do you remember how he calmed the seas and the storm? Did he take water and splash it? Did he pull a potion out of his cloak? Did he take out his lightsaber and beat it? He said, be still. And with his word, the storm stopped and the lake became, the sea became calm. 
So that's more powerful than any prophet. Jesus' words are the words of God. A prophet's power came from the word of God, but Jesus' words are the word of God. It says this, too. Um, So he's the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purifications for sins. So what's that, number six? And so he did away with the power of sin because what we talked about on the cross, that he died on the cross and he raised from the dead. That's our gospel. That's our good news, that sin no longer has power over you. But what this word purification means is that he didn't just do away with the power of sin. He also cleansed you from sin so that somehow, and I don't know how this works, All right, but somehow, because of of, of what Jesus did, and when you're a follower of Jesus, when God sees you, he puts on Jesus' glasses or something to see you, because when he sees you, he doesn't see your sin. Because Jesus cleansed you from that sin. In God's eyes, you are clean. Sin has no power over you. I think that's why in heaven, after the resurrection, uh, before Jesus ascended into heaven, there's this this, um, um, part in the New Testament where these two guys are walking back and it's after Jesus' resurrection. They haven't heard about the resurrection yet and Jesus has dinner with them. And it says that he explains who he was from the beginning of the Bible to the end. He explains who he was to the scriptures and there's a scene where he breaks bread with them and they finally realize that he's the Jesus that they've been hearing him talk about. And and a lot of people think the reason that they do that is because when he held the bread up and raised his hands and brought it down, they could see the scars on his hands and arms showing that he had been crucified. And I think part of the reason those scars are still there, and I think they will be there in heaven on Jesus, because when we get to heaven, we won't have those scars. He does. He took our sin upon him. And we're gonna be like those prophets and we're gonna have a perfected body and every time we see Jesus, we're gonna remember the sacrifice he made so that we could enjoy this relationship with him. And see, a prophet can't take away sin. Jesus is greater than the prophets. And then the seventh one, he did this. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so this is a picture of royalty, this word majesty, that Jesus sat down because his work is done. And Jesus is greater than these old ways of the prophets and and, and greater than the spiritual people because his work is done. He's done what they could never do. And compared to Jesus, these prophets are just Jedis in a brown cloak. So what do we do with this, right? The hard part of teaching through the New Testament is that it's real easy to leave you with information. I just gave you seven ways that Jesus is better than a prophet. And I could finish here and let you walk away with that and we'd all be smarter for it. But the problem is we all have Monday morning coming. And seven ways that Jesus is greater than a prophet probably won't do you any good on a Monday morning. It might help, but chances are it won't. So what do we do with this? Well, let me do it by the opposite way. What do we do? What happens when spiritual people are greater than Jesus? Because that's where I think the rubber meets the road for us in a lot of ways. 
because we all have spiritual people in our lives. You, if you're here this morning, or if, you know, listening on the podcast, you are a spiritual person to somebody. You're a spiritual person to your spouse. You're a spiritual person to your kids. You're a spiritual person to your coworkers once they find out you're a Christian. You're a spiritual person. What happens, and we all know spiritual people in our lives, what happens when they become bigger than Jesus? Let me tell you a little bit of what it looks like in my life. My profession as being a pastor has shut down so many conversations. Right, and here's what I mean by that. I'm sitting down talking to somebody, and hey, what do you do? They're an accountant, they're an engineer, they're an artist, whatever. And then they go, what do you do? And I say, I'm a pastor. And they're like, okay. And it's done. Because my job is to be a spiritual person. (laughs) Right? And with that comes certain expectations. And with that also comes certain responsibilities. And those are the same responsibilities that you have as a spiritual person, and it's this. My job, your job as a spiritual person is to point people to Jesus. You see, spiritual people, we make great pointers, but we make really bad savior. One of my life verses is John 3.30. What I mean when I say life verse, it's a verse that I, I'm reminded of often. It's a verse that I've memorized because it's really short. It's a verse that, that uh, means, it's kind of it's like the mission statement of my life. And it's, and it's from John, the book of John, and, and it's John the Baptist who says it. And John the Baptist had this really great ministry and people were following him. And then he got to baptize Jesus, right? And as he sees Jesus coming over the hill to be baptized, John's response is the one that I've held to because he said this. He said, he must increase and I must decrease. Jesus has got to be greater than me. And as spiritual people, our job is to point people to Jesus. And here's what that means. Parents, your job as parents is to point your your kids to Jesus. Your job as a parent is not to always have the right answers. Your job as a parent is not to be perfect. They certainly don't need that. Your job is to point your, your kids to Jesus. And here's what that looks like. It means saying you're sorry when you make a mistake. It means asking forgiveness from them when you've sinned against them. It means saying, I don't know when they ask you a question that you don't know the answer to. And maybe even saying, let's pray about that and see what God does. Your job is to point them to Jesus. Husbands and wives, your job is to point your spouse to Jesus. You know, we do this marriage ministry called Reengage. And one of the the things you keep coming back to is Reengage is that you can't fix your spouse. You see, When you try and fix your spouse, you're letting a spiritual person, you, be more powerful than Jesus in their life. If you're dating, if you're dating, um, date someone who's going to point you to Jesus. And if you're dating, don't think that you can fix them either. They don't need another Jesus. They've already got one. And that's the problem when, when that's flip-flopped and, and, and we think that spiritual people are greater than Jesus. You realize that when I do that, when you do that, we're actually creating a system in a relationship where that person doesn't need Jesus anymore. They've got you. The counseling term for that is enabling and it never works. 
But spiritual people point people to Jesus because Jesus is greater than spiritual people. How about for those of you at work? Is your boss a jerk? How in the world do you point him to Jesus? You pray for him. Those of you who are the boss, what does it look like for you to point your people to Jesus? When I was a school teacher, I was in a public school environment and I couldn't talk to them about the gospel unless they asked. And rarely did they come up to me and go, oh, teacher, how may I be saved? But what I did do is I, I, I prayed for them every day. I had a journal where I had their picture on, on. Every kid got a page in this journal. And I would pray over that journal every day. I would walk through the room before the kids got there and pray over their desk every day. So whether they knew it or not, I pointed them to Jesus. At work, the coworker that's driving you crazy, pray for him. Point him to Jesus. And so today... Do you need this today? Do you need the reminder that Jesus is greater than? Jesus is greater than the spiritual people in your life. Jesus is greater than the ups and downs and successes and failures and doubts and fears. He's greater than all of that in your life. And today, that's going to be real easy to attain and real easy to remember because we're going to take communion here in a little bit. Man, there's no better picture of Jesus being greater than. You come to the table, and you've got the juice and cracker, you go back and we, we talk about what the Passover meant, what this dinner meant that they did this ad and, and it'll be great. But remember Monday morning's coming. What do you do then? How do you find people then to point you to Jesus? That's why we have growth groups and this is a shameless plug for growth groups. If you're not in a circle, get in a circle because on Wednesday, you're gonna need people to point you to Jesus. And that's what happens in that circle. So talk to Eddie, talk to Amelia and get in a circle here at Growth Group so that during the week when you need people to point you back to the Savior, you've got a circle there ready for you to do that. And so what else? You know, as we come to communion, here's what I want you to do, is I want you to, to pause before you come up, and, and Cam's going to come up here in a little bit and play some music, and when he does, I want you to ask yourself this question of where, where does Jesus need to be greater in your life? Are there spiritual people in your life, are there people in your life that you've put in a place above Jesus? Are there things in your soul and, and things in your mind that you keep holding on to? And Jesus has been asking you for a while to trust him with it. Before you come to the table, do that. And just say, Jesus, you are greater than. And church, here's what happens when we become a church that points people to Jesus, a church where we understand that Jesus is greater than, we become a community of people encouraging one another not to do more or not to do less. We become a group of people encouraging each other to be with the Jesus who is greater than and to let him lead and guide and shepherd. And so in communion today, Let's be with the one who is greater than. All right? Let's pray. Jesus.